So I'm, in the, I'm finishing up today these three messages that I said I, fe- I really felt like God put on my heart sometime in December that we needed to come and start the year with. They needed to be like the reality check that we have, you know, because it's easy for us to go, I'm good, a new year, anything I need to change? No, I think I'm pretty good. How am I doing? And Lord, I think I'm pretty good with you. And then sometimes we just need to come to the scriptures, some of these really direct scriptures, and just allow the Lord to kind of rip the callus off or you know, refocus us where maybe we've got a little blurry-eyed or we've gotten a little uh, uh, calloused or we've gotten a little distracted, wherever that is, we just need to rip that off. And so two of the messages were just surrounding the lordship of Jesus. And we kind of looked and wrestled at this. What do you say when you say Lord Jesus? So the first first time we were at the end of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, in that day, many are going to say to me, Lord, Lord. And I'm going to say to them, yeah, I really never knew you. You kept saying the words, but you never lived with me as Lord. That, that we had those different levels where people use that word in the New Testament we saw. They used it to be polite, like sir. Sometimes you'll find it in the New Testament just translated. People come to Jesus and that's how they're, that's how they're using it, politely. Or other times, you know, the person was over you, your boss, the governor. And then the, t- the way God wants it used, really the way he demands it to be used is, Lord, I understand you are the absolute rule of the universe. You have all authority over me. That's how, what I mean when I say Lord. And then the second message, we came back around where Jesus says, you know, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say? Because those two things, they don't go together. You're Lord. This is what you should do. I don't think it's a good time. I don't think it's my personality. If you knew the situation, or I really feel like that worked then, but not so much now. Well, why are you doing that? and then singing songs about me being Lord. Those things, they don't go together. And so we just, we're trying to drive into, the, you drive into that. When you read a command or you, you read a, an example or you read an invitation, we just got to do it. We got to do it. I missed it but because uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't open my Open Doors app yesterday. Our brothers and sisters in Nigeria were asking for three days of, of lifting up Nigeria. They've had... They've had some massive attacks there. Uh, a brother pastor was, was executed uh, in the, within the last weeks. And so they're just looking for prayer. That's just saying, Lord Jesus, I'm following you wherever. Did you read um, um, one of those Voice of the Martyrs or Open Doors today? Uh, I saw on Facebook that 20 or 25 of our brothers and sisters in Pakistan were released from being held for five years. And along the way, they were told, you know, if you'll just convert to Islam we'll let you go now. And uh, they were all, no, we're, we're good. We're good. He is Lord Jesus. That's what we mean when we say Lord Jesus. It's his life. And so this third message, I feel like God wants me to, to just focus in, focus in on all of us on, on what it means to be part of a church, on what it means to be part of Cottage Hill, and one of the things you need to discern, maybe if you're newer to Cottage Hill or maybe if you feel a stirring, is you need to say, hey, is this the place God wants me to be? Because a lot of what I'm going to say is, if this is where God wants you to be, you need to be here. You need, you need to just be here. Because when he speaks of church, he speaks of it as a body. And that's how we're, that's how we're going to look and that's where we're going to focus this morning. I was thinking of this verse as I, as I was getting things together. Remember when Paul writes to Thessalonica, he says to them, we thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, 
you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Can we, can we modify that a little bit for a message on the church where it's going to be really easy to say, I'm as involved in the church as I can be, as I need to be, as I, my schedule will allow me to be, as I think I ought to be. Before we can get started, can we rewind that and say that when you heard the word of God, when you received the word of God, which you heard from Jeff, you received it not as the word of men, but what is it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. And I'm not saying that I'm speaking scripture, because you always need to check a speaker to make sure what he's saying is really biblical. I mean, God honors that. But if it is, then we're back to Lord Jesus. Oh, why aren't you doing what I say? If this is what I've said church ought to look like. So that's where I am. And here's where, here's my, kind of my guiding thought, is that the Holy Spirit is crafting us into the body of, uh, into the body of Jesus. He's put us in the body of Jesus. He, he did that when you were saved. But he's crafting us here at Cottage Hill. And, and I've got a number of, of friends throughout the city good churches, and, and the Holy Spirit is crafting them into the body of Jesus to live out and to experience this. In fact, you're not going to experience church the way God wants you to experience it unless you would think of it in terms of a body. You know, we got all these labels uh, about ourselves. Yesterday, one of the volunteers, we were talking amongst ourselves, and I said, you know, said something about being left-handed, and and this other goes, oh, I'm left-handed too. Anybody else left-handed? That's, that's a label. I'm left-handed. I'm a Patriots fan that's going to watch two lesser teams play this afternoon. You know, I'm a Red, I'm a Red Sox fan and wonders what is going to happen with Mookie Betts. I'm a, I'm a father that, you know, is, is concerned with my three kids in all three different places. I'm a grandfather that loves to hear from my, uh, that loves to hear from my grandkids and hear them mispronounce everything. Get all these labels. There's got to be a label that dominates everything. And that is hey, that I am Jeff, I'm a follower of Jesus and a part of his body. That's got to dominate everything. Father, grandfather, Patriots fan, whatever that goes, that has to rise to the top and dominate everything because that's what the scripture says. So yeah, I'm going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So let's turn there together, whether in your Bible or on your device. really interesting to me that Paul writes about a body, a church being a body to the most messed up church in the New Testament. I mean, Corinth, as you read through Corinth, they're just divided. They got people, different leaders in the church that they're following, that they like, that they, you know, they've really gotten cliquish around that. They're Greeks and the Greeks loved intellectual things. And so they want everything to be really intellectual and really smart. And they're they're raising that above everything else. And so Paul writes to them about the wisdom of God. They are so messed up sexually. As you know, in 1 Corinthians, you've read it. You've got a guy having sex with his stepmother. Nobody's doing anything about it. You've got, you've got guys, at least guys we know, who are still visiting the prostitutes, and they don't get that that's wrong. So they're just so messed up in that way. Uh, they're so upset with each other that they're suing each other. There are some issues that they can't resolve. Uh, so they're suing each other. You've got people that are paralyzed because they, by idolatry, they were involved in going and worshiping idols and sacrificing to them, and they just can't get past that. 
So they're paralyzed about, I know it's not real, but it seems real. It was real. It was real for a long time. So, so what do I do with that? They, they've got those things going on. When they get together for the Lord's Supper, they would have a meal. And that meal just became a time of taking care of yourself. So Paul says, some of you, you're, you're overeating. And others of you are not eating enough. And you don't get that you should be sharing that. Then you get to spiritual gifts. And their spiritual gifts became kind of a, hey, look at me. Look what I can do. You know, look at my gift, and they all want the showy gifts. I was thinking about that. I thought, can you imagine? We've got eight or nine people up front on the worship team. Can you imagine if it be, for them if it became a, hey, look at me, what that might look like? You know, what Will might end up doing on the drums, you know, or others in their part, you know, wanted to take the lead in a song. If you had, you had three singers today, imagine three singers trying to compete for who's leading the song, you know, just it gets chaotic which chapter 14 says that's what their service was like it was just chaotic and then and then they get to the point they weren't even sure they believed in the resurrection anymore so that is one broken body and yet paul writes he writes to them try to correct it we think paul writes at least four letters to them in first corinthians he talks about an earlier letter in second corinthians he talks about the harsh letter and first corinthians doesn't seem that harsh so at least four times he's trying to straighten them out and get them to understand. But, but the thing that he spends the most time on with them is the body. 12, 13, and 14 are all about the body and trying to get this right. So I want to read what he, what he has to say in chapter 12 about, about the body and, and about how that goes. He says in verse 4 is where I want to pick it up. He talks about gifts. These are the spiritual gifts. These are, are things... Spiritual abilities, the Holy Spirit just kind of parcels out, as you'll see. He says, there are varieties of gift, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to, to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So you have this first section, individually. It's our individual relationship in the body. You have spiritual gifts. I have spiritual gifts. You can have multiple ones of them. I believe they can change. Like, you know, I believe we get too hung up on that sometimes. The Spirit has, the bottom line is the Spirit has given you a supernatural ability that the whole body needs. And you see, you see that in there, that it's empowered by Him, that it's distributed to everyone. He's given them to all of us, it's clear. And it's, it's, uh, it's for the common good. It's not just for you. It's not just for your, your growth. That's the, individual, that's the individual piece of this, that there is a... Oops, jumping ahead here a little bit. Yeah, there's an individuality in the body that we share. And we get individuality. We get the individuality really good. We've got that down. So the, the verses that I want to focus in are the next ones. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. 
For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts don't require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. I want to show you something because sometimes sometimes I think we get a little too hung up on Bible study and people that really study the Bible and write these commentaries and things and more and more I appreciate a lot of a lot of what we need to understand for the Bible is just spent from time looking at it and making sure you're seeing everything that you need to see so here's our passage I know it's too small to read I just want to show you something that shows up that oops here's something that shows up one, 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 one. When God does that, he's making a point that here's this body called Cottage Hill. It is one body. You come in with your individual gift and your individual story and individual background, but you become part of the one. Whether or not you're living it, you're part of the one. I want you to see this, this other thing that, that shows up. Here's our passage again. What do you think is the key word? Yeah, he's trying to get across to us. This thing is a body. It's a body. It's not a, a building, but we know that. It's not a building. It, it's not just a place we come to grow. It's a place where, as we try to say, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is crafting us into this body of Jesus. That's why we say, you know, hey, stay for, stay for lunch and get to know some people. And probably 80% or 85% of us, we eat with the same people. And that's not necessarily wrong because each week you're probably getting to know those people a little bit better. You know, you're driving home. I hope you say, hey, I didn't know this about them. I just learned this. I, I learned something they're going through. I got to pray this week. They got this going on. That's not necessarily a bad thing as long as you're using that. And as long as anybody can sit at that table. That's where things get, get wrong, is when people come to your table and they get the message that we're set. That's, just, that, that's, when, that's when we start to become in trouble as, as a body. Or when you w look at people and you see one person or two people at a table, then we need to be the body. Then we need to be, be the body in that. He's crafting, he's crafting that. Somebody comes up to you and says, hey, do you mind if I sit at your table? That's the Holy Spirit telling you, hey, I'm crafting a body here. 
Let me craft, let me craft this thing that's going on. So there's that individuality that's part of the body. And then you see in these verses that, that the Holy Spirit, he has just plunged you into this body. Look at this, look at what he says in verse 12. For just as the body is one, see he's not, he's not asking you to make it one, he's just telling you the body's one and you're part of it. It has many members, all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For as one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spiritual drink. It's not a command. It's not a fact. This isn't just good theology. This is how the church is supposed to be experienced. This isn't dependent on, I don't really feel that. I don't think I need that. You know, I, I like getting in together with people, but I don't really need people. It doesn't matter what you feel like you need or, or what, you, what you think or whether you accept it or whether you realize it, it doesn't matter. It's biblical truth. And it's how, the, how we're supposed to be ex- experiencing this thing and how it's supposed to be working. That the Holy Spirit, he took you the moment that you got saved and he plunged you into Jesus and into the body of Jesus. He wasn't waiting for you to get baptized, which is really just kind of connected to me to this week in just a clear way. You trusted Jesus at a moment. The Holy Spirit baptized you into Jesus. But now we have people say, uh, but I'm going to wait a while to get baptized. Why? Well, we get into all the, you know, then you get into, I'm kind of embarrassed, uh, you know, whatever, all these things. Women are usually worried about their hair. Uh, seriously, <laughs> seriously. But we're making a statement. The Holy Spirit's baptized me, but I'm not baptizing. I'm not, I'm not getting baptized. Well, Jesus has commanded you to. Well, I know, but why do you call me Lord? You don't do what I say. All these things, they just kind of snowballed into each other for me. So the, the Holy Spirit took you and he plunged you into Jesus. You got soaked in him when he plunged you in. And there's a place in, in Pentecostal theology where the teaching is that uh, you, get the, you get baptized with the Holy Spirit sometimes after, sometime after you're saved, which I just don't find. I don't find that in the Bible you end up with two classes of believers, people that have the Holy Spirit or empowered by him and then people that are going to sometime get him. I, I don't see that. There's a verse that I, I was reading this week on that a little bit. This is in Acts chapter 11. In Acts chapter 10, the first Gentile gets saved, Cornelius and his family, and they're so amazed they get saved. And in the book of Acts, you'll see God use tongues whenever a new group is saved to show, show, hey, we've got somebody new and this proves it's true. But look what it says in the next chapter when they're giving Peter a hard time for going to a Gentile's house. If God gave them the same gift to us as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I could stand the way? The gift that was given to them was the Holy Spirit. And Peter's tying that, that they got that the moment they got saved, which... You know, I don't want to make that the, the heart of the point. The heart of the point is when you got saved, the Holy Spirit took you, he plunged you into Jesus, and you became part of the body. Amen. Then he directed you to find a local church body that could be your family and be the place where you grew. Happened the moment that it happened. It happened the moment that you trusted Jesus. It, it's an identification. When you got baptized, it was your way of identifying with someone. You're Old Testament, you're not Jewish, but you believe the Jews have the one true God. You want to be a follower of the one true God of Israel. And so one of the things that would happen to you is you would get baptized as a way of showing, hey, I'm um, a follower of Yahweh now. In Acts chapter 2, all of those people hear Peter say that the Jesus you crucified, he really was the Savior of the world. He really was the Messiah. 
and 2,000 people get baptized on the spot. Why? Because they're identifying, I believe this. This is who I am now. That's what baptism is. He, it identifies you. And so the Holy Spirit comes into you. You're identified now with the body of Jesus. It's, it's who you are. I'm a Christian, and I belong to the body. You drank of the same spirit, this thing that's happened to us. We've had this common experience of the spirit baptizing us into the body, of drinking in all that God had for us in the, in the Holy Spirit. In Romans 5, it says, God has poured his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that he's given to us. They just poured that into us, the Holy Spirit, and so we could experience his love like we sang about. He's poured him in. We drank of him. He, Jesus tells the woman at the well, and then he, at the feast in John 7, he talks about, listen, if anyone wants a drink from me, I can give them living water that's, that just will pour up in them and just keep coming and coming and coming. We've all drank that same drink. Isn't it interesting? Baptism, you get totally soaked on the outside, and you try to keep anything from going inside. When you're drinking, you try to get everything inside and nothing on the outside. Is God giving us something there that, listen, wherever you look at it, you are soaked. You are soaked and you are filled, and he has done that to make you part of a body so that you wouldn't just be yourself. It wouldn't just be you. It wouldn't come down to you and even just the, the few that you think it ought to be. So he took you and he plunged you into the body. He took you and he plugged you into the body. He, there you were, and, and he looked at these churches that were going to be raised up. Cottage Hill was started in, in 1978, 1979. He raised that up, and he found who are people that need to be plugged into that. And the church had this incredible start, just people getting saved like crazy, and then people being sent to the mission field. It's just a, it's a, it's a crazy. That's really all you could say is that this is crazy. This doesn't happen. But the Holy Spirit was just plugging people into the body in, in the way that they needed to go. The one and only body. That's, what, that's the other thing that stood out to me. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, the body. He plugged you into the body of Jesus. You know, you notice in all the songs, we try to get, if it's speaking about he and it refers to God, we capitalize it. If it's who and it refers to God, we capitalize it. If it's name and it's referring to him, we capitalize it. I remember in a grammar class in school, they were saying, you know, you capitalize it or you have the, the article the, and it, it's, it speaks of the one par excellence. You know how you remember these random things from grammar? Par excellence, the one and only, the one and only. It's not like all these others. So, so I applied my little thing to this. The body, the body. The Corinthians needed to know they were part of the body of Jesus around the world, and they needed to, they needed to get their act together so they wouldn't, they wouldn't ruin the testimony of other bodies around the world. But they also need to know for themselves, you are part of the body. You need to relate to each other as though you're part of the body, the whole. And we don't get to make up how we're going to do it. You know, Cottage Hill is unique because if we weren't unique, God wouldn't have raised us up. We'd all be part of the other good sister churches in the city. We're unique. But we're supposed to have a uniqueness within how God says this is supposed to be done. And this is supposed to be done together as a body. It's what he intended, this one wonderful 
body. You know, every now and then, you get to experience church the way that it's supposed to be. You know, something happens and you just feel so connected to people or you feel so valued or you feel so ministered to or you feel, you know, you feel like you have a contribution to make. All of those things, that's experiencing the body. And God wants that to be the norm. He wants that to be the norm. Let me tell you, when, we met, when I met last week with our uh, cottage kids, teachers, you know, the pre-K and K teachers and aides and then the, the elementary teachers and aides, they are on it. They feel like this is how God wants them to serve our kids. I was super encouraged by that, you know, made some good detail things, but to be in the room and sense, sense you know, the burden that they have and the fact that they are loving, this is where they are serving. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. So we appreciate that. That's what we're going to really roll them out as our cottage kids ministry. So you pray for that. You reinforce what we're doing with your kids, your grandkids, or your niece or nephew, whatever your connection with, the children you're guardian for, because we get all kinds of labels, and you're playing all kinds of roles in kids' lives, and they're good roles. But they need to see, too, this is a body. They don't just say hi and bye to you but they get that this is a body. It's the one place on the planet. For them, their big issue was, we're Jews and Greeks. Where this ethnic divide was, the church was the one place on the planet where that line wasn't there. They were just brothers and sisters. It didn't matter that you grew up going to the temple, that you visited a temple prostitute, and you thought that's how you were worshiping God, and you... You lived a nice, clean, moral life worshiping the one true God of Israel. It didn't matter because now you're part of the body. Didn't matter, he says, slave or free. Didn't matter that I own you in the eyes of the government. It matters that in Jesus, we're equal and we're coming together now in this wonderful thing called the body. You know, shouldn't the body be leading the way in how the racial issue is in the United States? Shouldn't this be the one place where the world looks and says, what is it they've tapped into that they can all get along and value each other, no matter where they're from, no matter how long they've been in this country, no matter whether they're Republican, Democrat. This is supposed to be the place where those labels get bumped way down. And the label of in Christ, the body, that becomes what defines us and what drives us and, and defines how we relate to one another. We have this connection to Jesus, and because we have this connection to Jesus, we have this automatic connection to each other. That's called the body. It's called the body. And so the Holy Spirit, he plunged you into Jesus, and then he plugged you into this body and into places that were needed, into this thing that's so special to him and so important to him that he'd call it his own body. We are talking the, the other night, you have the letter to the Ephesians. He writes Ephesians, and he says... You, you know, that Christ is the head of the body, and he talks a lot about the body, but he writes this sister letter to the Colossians, and he says Christ is the head because they were struggling on the place of Jesus in the whole thing, and you're the body. So you have those things. It's what Jesus wanted to use to communicate how connected he was to us, but how connected we're supposed to be to each other. The body, the body, the body at Cottage Hill, you know, the body at Life Point, the body at Bethany, the body at City Church, the body at, at First Central, the body at Vox, the body at Evangelical Covenant, the body of Evangel, and on and I, I could go with, you know, 
several, several churches where I have friends, where God's doing good things. And Cottage Hill, which God doesn't put down on the list. He just has this equality and in, in where he wants to show up and not allow us to experience what body is supposed to be. And you will determine whether we experience that. You're determining whether you're experiencing that or not. It frustrates me at times. You know, people say, I'm, I'm thinking of going to another church. I'm just not feeling that connected. Thinking, well, you got to come to feel connected. And you can't come and go to feel connected. And it's got to get messy to feel connected. People have to, you know, can I say this? People have to puke on you a little bit to make you feel connected. You know, I mean, that's a, isn't that a rite of passage? All right, I'm speaking figuratively. That's, that's almost happened to me a couple times, literally. Yeah. But I mean, who cares when you've got a baby that you love and they do what babies do on your shoulder? Who cares? I remember in the early days of ministry when I was wearing a suit every Sunday and our, you know, we had Joy was one. We went to Maine, so Joel was born there. Josh was born there. I just had suits that just had perpetual white spots <laughs> right there. But you don't care. You don't care. Because, you know, they're yours. So people, they spit up a little bit of what's going on in their lives on you. And you're maybe not sure what to do with that, and maybe you weren't expecting that. Maybe you weren't ready for it. But that's just part of being body. You know, if you're not feeling connected... Check your connection. Now, we have some of you, we have some of you computer guys, we have Dan and Grant. That's always the first thing when I call them. Check your connection. <laughs> Check your connection. My first computer, I call, it didn't work when I got home, and so I called the guy I bought it from, and that was what he said, jiggle the back. And there it was. So here you are. He has plugged you into the body on his part. You've got to plug yourself into the, into the body, into the life of the church. That's part of our mission statement, isn't it? Cultivating a body. We're trying to cultivate. We don't have to make it because it's already made. We're just trying to cultivate it. We're trying to cultivate it. And so those things that you hear, you know, when Pastor Ted taught his class on discipleship last fall, one of the things he was telling me, he kept trying to drive is, you know, the Holy Spirit speaking is so much clearer than we think it is. It's just those things you feel like you ought to say or you ought to do. That's typically the Holy Spirit. So something in worship blessed you, you, you feel like you want to encourage somebody on the worship team, you ought to do that. You ought to do that. That's just him. That just will connect us. They'll appreciate you. They'll be burdened for you. That might lead into a deeper conversation. Who knows? You're just being plugged into the body. You have got to plug yourself in. Now let's go back. You received it for what it was, the word of the Lord, not the word of Jeff. You've got to hear that. Those of you that would say, I've been here a long time. I've done a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm pretty well plugged in. I pretty well. You've got to allow the Holy Spirit to have freedom to say, you've been doing the same thing for a long time, but I've been trying to get you deeper for a long time. You've got to be willing to hear that. On the same side, you know, at long last, Pastor, he's been, he's been there for a long time. At long last, I'm at a place where I can encourage you, some of you, you need to hear the Holy Spirit when he's telling you, you need a season of rest. And so sometimes people will tell me, him, I've been doing this ministry, I feel like God wants me to step out, and we'll get a check on that, and we'll get a sense of witness that, yeah, you need a time of just refreshment, of being fed and being nurtured. That's not a bad thing. I mean, the devil's all over this stuff, isn't he? If you're not involved, he's on you that you should be involved, but you're not really qualified to be involved. 
if you are involved and you feel like it's time for rest, oh, what are you doing? Giving up on the church? What are you doing? You know, you're so, he's just, he's all over these things, which is why we have this class. But you've been plugged in. Make sure you're plugged in the way you're supposed to be in this season of your life. When that passage goes on, it says that in the, the Holy Spirit, he crafts our distinctions in this body. We have individuality, then we have the body. And then he talks about these distinctions that go on. When he starts in verse 14, the body doesn't consist of one member, but many. Can you imagine how whacked this church would be if it was Jeff Chandler clones? Really? That scares even me, you know? It's not. The body doesn't consist of one member, but many. You've got that part, you've got to play for us to be that. So, you know, the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. These distinctions, they don't matter. They don't matter. You say to yourself, I don't really think I matter in this church. I don't think I'm that significant in the church. I don't think I bring that much to the church. I don't, I think, I don't think I'm qualified. All of those things are your ways of saying, I don't think I belong to the body because I'm not like and whoever it is that's coming to your mind when you're saying those things. The distinctions about us, about our stories, about our gifts, about our personalities, about how much we know the Bible, all these things that make us different, they don't matter because he's making us a body in spite of that. It's what makes us a body. We need those of you that are in recovery. You know, we need those of you that have broken, that have had broken stories. In fact, that seems to be the personality that God has decided about Cottage Hill. We have, we have, you know, every church has brokenness. Our brokenness just seems to be a little more raw. It just seems to be a little more out in the open. It was one of, when I visited the church and Cindy and I visited for an interview, it was one of the things that attracted me here was that there wasn't this, I've got to be, look like I'm okay at Cottage Hill or Glorious Gospel as it was then. And that attracted me. You know, it takes the pressure off me too. Those distinctions, they don't matter. In verse 21, the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you, or the head to the feet, I don't need you. These distinctions about us, all these things that make us different, they don't nullify the fact that you need people. Even those of you who feel like, I don't really need people, you're really saying, I'm protecting myself. Or you're saying, I've got it so together that I don't need people. It's either pride or it's brokenness, it's woundedness. You're either proud that you can take care of yourself or you've been so wounded that you've put up walls to keep people away from you. It, it's really either or in that. Because when he's talking about body, he's hitting that. You can't say you don't need people. And I know you wouldn't. I mean, even you all people, you know, you, you don't say, I don't need people. You just say, I'm being wise. You know, I'm just being wise. Let me tell you, more things, more things are said that are totally contrary to what God says under the umbrella of, I'm just trying to be wise. You know, you're just trying to be safe, typically. You know, my walls aren't as high as they used to be, which would be great if God was for walls at all. But he's not. He's for healthy boundaries, but he's not for walls, you know? That's why we have the Holy Spirit. He's the one plunging you. He's the one plugging you. He's the one who knows what's safe for you. So he's going to keep you safe. He's gonna, if you are part of a body, you're going to have brothers and sisters around you who he's going to use to keep you safe. Keep you scared, but keep you safe. 
So that's just the fact that you're distinct, you're, you have distinctions to you. That doesn't nullify the fact that you need this body. It doesn't matter how valuable you feel you are to us or what you have to bring. God has decided if he's brought you here, we need you. And we do need you. We need to be growing. We need you to be growing. We need to be following the Holy Spirit, but we need you. These distinctions, they're straight from God, these different things about us. He says here in several different ways that, that uh, God has done this. He says in verse 18, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose, as he chose. You know, that means, okay, okay, Chandler, when you get together with your pastor friends and somebody's talking about somebody in their church that just seems like they're so golden, you shouldn't wish you could trade for them because God has arranged who's at Cottage Hill. He himself has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. And then, and then he circles back around on that in verse 24. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. I mean, that's really the, the why element in the whole chapter. He has done this so there may be no divisions. He's saying that to a very divided church. No divisions, but they have the same care. You know what wipes out divisions in the church? Love. When you, when you love people, you can disagree with them. That, I mean, that's really what's breaking down in our country. Is there's such animosity because we've lost the ability to care about people that have a different label than we do. So... God has done this. He's put us together so that we wouldn't be divided, but that we would care for each other. We would care about, and then we would care for. That's his thing. It's straight from him. He does it on purpose. You get that right out of here. He has done this on purpose. You know how you do these things, and people come up to you, you know, whether you hung something or you made something, you did something on a computer or whatever, and somebody will say to you, did you mean to do that? Which, you know, always means this is terrible, you know, whatever. Did you mean to do this? And you, sometimes you say, yeah, I did, but I didn't think it turned out like this. I you know, I did. Uh, some God has done this on purpose, and he's done it well. This thing called body, this thing called Cottage Hill, he said he's done this on purpose, and he likes it. He likes how it is, and he, and he likes you being here, and he needs you to be all here that he's composed this thing on purpose for us. It's straight from him. And that these distinctions, they connect us, that there might be no division, but we'd have the same care for each other. He uses that word about Timothy in 2 Timothy, in, uh, in um, Philippians 2. He says, you know, I hope to send Timothy to you soon. I have nobody else like him who has a genuine interest in your welfare. Same word. He has a genuine care for you. For everyone else is concerned with their own interests and not those of Jesus Christ, he says. But not Timothy. Timothy really cares about you. That's this word. I mean, you, you know when people care about you. This is what Paul talks about how he feels about churches in 2 Corinthians when he writes to them again and they're not even sure he's that great a guy. He says, apart from other things, this is after he's talked about how much he's suffered, there's the daily pressure of me, on me of my anxiety for all the churches. For who is weak and I'm not weak? Who's made to fall and I'm not in indignant? I mean, Paul's just talking about this is the care he has for the Corinthians. 
people share what's going on in their lives, it, it needs to bother you. If it doesn't bother you, there's something wrong with the connection. You know, Ponch asked us Wednesday night to just pray that God would just heal his hips because, you know, he's looking at the possibility someday of, of having both hips replaced. He's a young, man, active man. So he just asked us to pray for healing that we know God can do. And so, man, when that happened, you heard prayer from people that cared. You could hear the care in the prayer in people that were praying along with us. That's what God is doing this for. He brought us here to care for each other. You hear a burden, you care about that burden. What can I do? Man, I'm bummed. I can't do anything. Who could do something? God, you got to do something. Wherever, however that plays out, those are the things. Those, that's how it works. The Holy Spirit, he's crafted this body. He's crafted our distinctions, what's different about us. But he's doing that so that he can craft us into the body of Jesus so that he can put us into that. So hopefully when you got your weekly connection, you were given this sheet just that has all the, the one another as the New Testament lays out. These are all ways that we're supposed to, to relate to one another. So I just challenge you to take that and, and use that as kind of a prayer thing with the Lord. Hey, Lord, Jesus said I'm, you have to, I'm supposed to love one another. Here I am in this, in this body. Would you just show me how to get better at that or show me who, who it is in the body you want me to apply this to? I want to challenge you to to take that and just to use that as a guide of getting more deeply involved in the body. Because I'm not so much talking about, oh, you need to get out more when we do things. Maybe you do. But whatever, you need to be deeply connected to the people who are part of your church family body. You know, many are going to call me Lord, Lord, but I didn't know them. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? why have you, I put you into a body and yet you get atrophy? Or why do we have a pile of hands over there that aren't connected to where they're supposed to be and what place they're going to have? He took you, he plunged you, he plugged you, he's using your differences so that he can be glorified. Boy, I challenge you to just take some time before the Lord. God, you know how involved I am at Cottage Hill. Show me if I'm reflecting what you intend in body. Show me if I'm doing that. Forgive me if I'm not. Forgive me if I'm a wall person. And help me take those down. Bring somebody to me to help me take those walls down so that I can be healed and so that I can experience relationships like I'm supposed to. Show me where you have for me to serve and show me the people that are supposed to be speaking into my life. This is why we've saved communion for the end of service because this is what unites us. It doesn't unite us that we're you know, whatever the label is, it unites us that we have come to Jesus and found life in him and finding life in him, we found a shared life in this thing called the body. This man who came for us, who died to pay for all of our sins so that we could have a relationship with God and we could have a relationship with each other unlike any other relationship you're going to have on the planet, that he's done that so that we would be united so that we would be experiencing life in this thing called the body. So thank you, Jesus, for that. Would you just, in, even in my own experience and in my own understanding, would you just rip a layer off what I think of church or what I think of Cottage Hill so that, so that I, could, I could have a freshness in it and a fresh experience? And 
you, you, you've wired us in good ways to be creatures of habit. Uh, and habits are routines, and routines can be healthy, and they can be helpful, and sometimes they can become stagnant. And so for, for me, God, for the brothers and sisters that make up our body, would you just keep routine from being stale here? Sunday morning at 10, you know, Wednesday night at 7, uh, youth group downstairs, kids' church, uh, Monday Bible study, Saturday Bible study, Friday home group, uh, the different things that go on, the Sunday group up to Lyles, God, would you just take those things and use them so that there's a freshness to falling deeper in love with you and a freshness to experiencing life as your body. We worship you because it cost you your body, Lord Jesus, to make that possible. And so would you bless us as we remember that? We remember, you, you told us to, and remember that it was a broken, very broken body. It was blood that was so bloody so that we could be clean. And we remember too that you say one day we celebrate this with you. So whatever it is you need to speak to us, as we, as we come and as we, as we take the piece of bread and the cup, speak to us. Affirm or challenge or stretch or correct or whatever it is you need to speak, speak to us. You speak so well. So we want to hear your voice to your glory. Yeah, amen. Amen. For whatever this body does, he deserves the praise because it's his spirit that's driven it and made it happen. And whatever it is that happens to this body is because we all made ourselves available to him. We just made ourselves available and responded went in ways that he said respond. So, so here we are. I feel like, you know, I was thinking, who, should, who do I have pray? God, what's the name? What's the name? And I feel like we ought to just, it ought to be all of our response. You know, that here you are holding, we've talked about the body, and we have the body because of this body. And so what would be your thanks? Jesus, I'm so thankful that through your body I have and when this came out of the oven, it was one loaf. It's one loaf. All these pieces, but one loaf. One body. Thank you, Jesus. We're so thankful for your blood. Why? Just speak that out. Why are you thankful for the blood of Jesus? Yeah. What has it brought to you? What has it brought to us? Is this how Revelation goes? Doesn't it say, and with your blood, you purchased one people from every tribe and tongue and nation. And that's been our been our burden for a long time that God would let us be that. With your blood, you purchased so that we could be this. Thank you. Hey, if you're on today's prayer team, let me have you just come on up real quick up to the front because this is one of these ways we express body is that we, you know, one of the one another's you're going to see is bear one another's burdens. And so one of the ways you may need to live body life is just by humbling yourself and having someone pray over you. And so the prayer team is here. Sometimes we just got to get past ourselves and, you know, go up and talk to someone and, and let them call on the Lord and let them minister to us in that way. So, so here we are. We are the body. We're about to disperse as salt and light, you know, after we have lunch and all these places and praying that God puts each other on our hearts and minds at just the right time so that we can, we can connect you know, without even being together. So, Lord, here we are. I, I am so thankful that you've allowed me to be part of the Cottage Hill body and for what people have done to transform and to change my life and my experience with you. 
pray that's the true of, of every person in the room to whom is settled that this is, this is the place for them. This is their label, Cottage Hill. I pray that that might move out into this is their label, body, part of the body. Show us what that looks like, Lord, and we're just counting on the leading of the Holy Spirit, praying your blessing over lunch and the conversations that take place. Let us see your hand orchestrating those good things. All to your glory. We help us serve you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Have a great week serving the Lord.